one piece of gum every seven years. Okay, so, so we all know we live in a big simulation, right? Everything around us is computer-generated, right? That there's one thing that isn't part of the simulation. That's gum. Gum is weird. You chew it. You could just chew, 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 chew forever. That's because gum comes from outside of the simulation. Gum is real. Okay, so you also know you if you swallow gum, it stays in your system for seven years. And every cell in your body changes every seven years, right? And, and the seven-year itch, you change personalities every seven years. That's because every seven years, they come from the outside, and they take you away and put a whole new you in there, and they can change you any way they want. But if you, if you swallow the gum, then they can't because the gum locks you in place because the gum is real. Gum is their weakness. Swallow one piece every seven years. Any more than that, you might get a stomach ache, but one piece every... Yeah, that was, was Ian's father. Ian, how much gum are you eating every single day or every single seven years? I think I swallowed like two or three in my early life. Does that, does that like, does it compound? Does it give me like three years of gumness if I did it all at once? <laughs> or did I overload? You have to do it once every seven years, Ian. Three when you're a child does not count. What if I just like put, get it in my hair? I don't think that works either. That doesn't fight the simulation. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Lukardowski here of WeAreChange.org, joined by a plethora of amazingly talented individuals for yet another live show that we're going to be having here for the next two hours. So make sure to send all your friends and family members the URL of this broadcast, as, of course, we got some really crazy breaking news from the Middle East that we're going to be talking about. There's also a lot of other social news to talk about specifically with the who is out there. Lots of different topics that we're going to be discussing here on this independent media broadcast that you could actually participate in. And one way, one quick and easy, simple way to do that is by going to, of course, mysuperchat.com. Mysuperchat.com is a website where we are able to get 3%, not 30% that YouTube does with Super Chats, but 3% uh, goes to, of course, Streamlabs, where we get to talk to you guys one-on-one. -on -one. No matter what your donation or super chat is, we, of course, will be addressing it. And more importantly, I'm very excited to announce, if you are a member of LukeUnfiltered.com, you now, as a member, get to call in into the broadcast. We are going to be taking callers, live video callers in the moment, who will be able to speak to every single person here on this broadcast at the end when we are on rumble.com forward slash we are changed with an exclusive broadcast over there. Also, if you want to send us any kind of articles or videos or, or pictures to react to, this is the best way to do it. You sign up to lukeunfiltered.com. It's very quick. It's very easy. It's very simple. You scroll down here. You could sign up for less than 50 cents a day, or you could sign up yearly and even save more money. And then when you sign up, you get emailed your login information. Once you have that login information, you get in and the first post goes there and explains the larger Telegram chat that you will be a part of, a private Telegram chat, where, of course, we will be talking to you directly and calling you, and you will be live on the show talking to us. We did this for the first time. We kind of troubleshooted it uh, last time we were on with Ian, and uh, it was incredible. It was really fun. We had two really great callers. They had some really good, concise questions. So to be a part of the conversation, you could either go to 
mysuperchat.com or sign up to lukeunfiltered.com. As of course, we are going to be doing this program for a while. I think we're going to be doing three of them at least a week. So expect a lot of very breaking news coverage. As of course, we just had the news come in today of some really damning, crazy information coming specifically from Omar. And uh, we're going to be talking about that plus a lot more for the next duration for the next two hours with Ian Crossland, a man that we have stolen from the Beanie Man, and we do not intend on giving him back anytime soon. <laughs> Beanie Man, I'm sorry, he's ours. He likes it here a lot better, okay? He likes it here way better than he does in the Blair Witch Project that you film your studio stuff in, okay? Ian, how are you? And uh, where can people find out more information about you? And Miami is right, right? Uh, Miami is right. Miami's beautiful. Go here. If you have never been to Miami, you should visit. It's freaking phenomenal. I'm Ian Cross, and co-host of TimCast IRL. And apparently, we are changed we are sometimes. Changed. <laughs> he, meant to say, he meant to say co-host of We Are Change here. So. I, you know, I've been on the internet since 2006 making internet videos, so you can pretty much find my work anywhere at Ian Crossland. Look for it, and you'll find me. And then, of course, we're joined by the very stable, the man that always shows up on time, Clint Russell of the Liberty Lockdown Podcast, who has been consistent. Uh, and, and for Miami, that's saying a lot. It's tough, man. It's yeah. tough. Look, the traffic is rough, Luke. And the freeway uh-huh. the freeway pass uh-huh. to get here has been shut down since we started the show. As soon as it opens back up, I'll be on time more often. Uh, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, co-host of Tower Gang, co-host of We Are Changed Podcast or Uncanceled Podcast or whatever the hell we end up calling this thing ultimately. Thank you so much for having me once again. Uncanceled is a pretty interesting name. I kind of like that. Um, But we have a couple names. I think the person who's going to help us, we have a chat going for members of of LukeUnfiltered.com. So if you have any names, the person that helps us decide the name, because I I don't know, I just don't want to, I don't want to call it We Are Changed. I don't want to call it any kind of cast. Uncancelable. I, I have a hard time pronouncing that with right. my with English being the second language, but also, uh, it's also it's a double negative. Yeah. So like like sometimes you want to. Steph, what Steph. does uncancelable mean? Does it mean you're impervious? Uh, but that's also kind of a impervious is a double negative. Kind of based to be. Yeah. Look, I think uncancelable is cool because you know we're gonna have a lot of people come in studio to do the show that are super canceled and controversial so i don't know just the idea i'm throwing out there we'll yeah the, the people the people that i have planned on on like being a part of this broadcast we will not be able to do the first portion on youtube so this is what we usually do we usually do a portion on youtube then we go over to rumble our our free speech safe space but the guests that we're going to be booking they won't be able to be here on YouTube. Also, on this note, we have a button pusher here officially with us. That button pusher is Stephanie. Stephanie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. My name is Steph. You can find me on Instagram at Steph. We are change. And she's ready to push all of the buttons <laughs> today. Um, let's go into this first story because I think it's really important because, you know, the, the main title of the video that we're doing right now is breaking as we have this report from Mario Nafal, who said just in uh, Steph, try to go on the browser now. U.S. Central Command confirms U.S. casualties. 24 American soldiers were injured in attacks on American bases in Iraq and Syria last week. Source NBC News breaking another rocket attack on a U.S. base northeast of Syria near the Iraqi border and the Konkoa gas fields. The Islamic resistance in Iraq claims responsibility. Now, this is obviously big breaking news, news that will have significant ramifications that just broke right now as we 
we are still waiting for official confirmation of this actual news that just broke a couple minutes ago. But this is something that has been building up for a very long time. If you look at the American foreign policy inside of the Middle East, it doesn't always have the best track record. It doesn't always do the right thing. And a lot of the times it finances and spurs up radical jihadists and Islamists that now we are fighting. As I, I think a LA Times article perfectly described the situation in the Middle East, describing how Pentagon-funded rebels were fighting, CIA-funded rebels. And right now, especially with the conflict inside of Palestine and Israel, we're dealing with a highly escalated, precarious situation where there's there have been numerous attacks on Americans, as, of course, we also heard from U.S. Colonel Douglas McGregor. And he is now coming out and saying that U.S. Special Forces actually went into Gaza to try to rescue some hostages and, quote, were shot into pieces and took heavy losses. This is according to Douglas McGregor, who, of course, is connected to some of the military brass inside of this country. Again, that report has not been corroborated, has not been confirmed yet as well. There was other reports that the corporate media that were documenting how there was a specific missile attack from Yemen going against American naval vessels, specifically an American destroyer in the region, and with the Americans sending U.S. strike groups with the Americans still guarding the oil fields in Syria that we are stealing natural resources and oil from from that region. I think it's fair to say that this is a powder keg of a situation that at any moment, at any time, could blow up and be a very serious situation for everyone to be forced to deal with as I, I just don't see an off-ramp when it comes to this situation. I don't see a situation where this kind of stops being as tense as it is. How do you guys see it, and what do you guys make of these initial reports that have not yet been confirmed, but obviously will have a big impact on American policy? I don't believe any of the initial reports these days because if you quickly uh, snap to spreading this information, it can, it can inflame global tensions really quick, get missiles to fire, which can cause retaliatory strikes, and then find out that the story was wrong. So, like, I, I don't jump on these things normally. Um, I'm open to talking about them. I got a couple of thoughts. One is, I, I hear they want to destroy Hamas. Now, what does that mean? Hamas is like an idea. Hamas is like a piece of paper. You're like, am I in Hamas or am I not in Hamas? Well, did I sign the paperwork that says I am? And if you kill all these people, all their family members are going to be just as pissed as the people that were in Hamas. So, like, it's called blowback. When you go in and you murder someone's family, that person's going to probably remember and may form an organization that's much, much worse than what they think Hamas is right now. I, I mean, I, I share your concerns. These are all of the lessons of the war on terror, is that if you go and you kill a terrorist, you end up with four or five more, because usually when you kill a terrorist, you end up killing four or five civilians, which their relatives then become totally radicalized and, and viciously so against you for taking their loved ones. This is human nature. This is the whole problem with dehumanizing your enemy is that it, it, it allows for a calculus that is totally detached from reality. These are human beings. Now, taking out central command is one thing, like that we fought the Nazis. But when you killed Hitler and, and all his buddies, Goebbels and all those guys, you pretty much ended the, the momentum of the movement. So if they want to end well, the momentum... Well, they all joined NASA. A lot of them did. They were taken in <laughs> op, op, um, Operation Paperclip and used in yeah. their, the in stuff they learned. And, and Argentina, too. So another problem that we're having is sending special forces in there. Like, that's going to be some sort of surgical precise strike. Hamas has been preparing for this invasion for a long time. I, I was reading that it's been 10 months. They've been setting up false flooring in buildings. They have booby traps. They've got... Uh, 
rifling holes they've got now they have rubble they can hide behind you don't even know where to shoot if where they're going to be within there and everyone's wearing the same clothing they're all dressed like civilians so like they said mcgregor was saying they sent him in there it's just a meat grinder so what do you do i mean it is a it is a rough situation uh from but, the offensive yeah. perspective but mcgregor is reporting that american casualties have already happened inside of of gaza when it came to rescue operations so again we, we don't know that but i think clint w what you're describing i think pat buchanan definitely described it better almost 14 years ago there's a viral video of him when he was on msnbc explaining this exact situation that ron paul was also trying to explain to the rest of the world and that is the concept of blowback a concept that if you know you 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 blow up a bunch of people those those people have relatives they're going to be mad at you and and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out and this is why i think you know de-escalation and trying to stop a lot of these wars on a lot, a lot of these conflicts is really the only way out of this while trying to hold some of the negative parties accountable for specifically arming and funding and then shaking up this beehive that the rest of the world has to deal with as of course global jihadism is is a real threat we saw what happened when it came to radical islamists hitting europe we saw what happened when of course they affected also people inside of the united states some people say those are state-sponsored attacks and in in many ways whether it was direct involvement or even indirect involvement when it comes to just throwing weapons inside of the middle east it's infuriating that my tax dollars are are being thrown into a larger war where they're fighting against the other factions that my tax dollars financed as well. So I want to play this clip by Pat Buchanan because I think it's uh, pretty important to understand when it comes to the larger context of what we're dealing with right now inside of the Middle East. I'm going to play this clip right now. The Israelis have been hit with for six months with these little rockets which didn't kill anybody. It was outrageous, cruel and stupid and they triggered a blitzkrieg against the Palestinians in Gaza which in my judgment is an Israeli concentration camp where a million and a half people are locked up, cannot come out or go in. They've been controlling food, electricity, fuel and the innocent people in Gaza are the ones suffering. Concentration camp, Pat, doesn't that diminish the significance of the real concentration camp? No, I'm not talking about a death camp. I'm talking about what the British had in concentration camps in, in South Africa and what the Spanish had in Cuba and what others have had where they bring all these people, lock them in there and treat them with great cruelty and a, and a humanitarian disaster despite what Zippy Livni says. Well, what do you, let me tell you, i tell you how you create people for Hamas. You kill 675 people, you wound and injure 3,000. What do you think the brothers and sisters, those five little girls that died, what are they going to be when they grow up? What are these people Hopefully, under this, treated like this? You know. Look, why do you, you think know, the Palestinians... You know and I know that Hamas's doctrine, I can talk about I, it right here, I know their is to doctrine. hide in schools, in mosques, to hide among uh -huh. the civilians and use civilians for shields. And you know it is a war crime to use uh -huh. civilians for shields. You should you. be criticizing those war crimes look, I, on the part I, of Hamas. I, I should look. Hamas, any war crimes, I criticize their attacks with those rockets, stupid and cruel. But you sit here and tell me that the Israeli people or the Israeli nation have, have treated the Palestinian people with any kind of justice. Those towns hit by the rockets are former Palestinian towns. Well, Ashkelon, Ashkod, well, Sterat. Well, 
it's been uh, 14 years later, and a lot of those people have grown up. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form trying to excuse anything that Hamas did, as, of course, Hamas is a horrible terrorist organization that, of course, spurred on this entire conflict with a larger terrorist attack against civilians, which, of course, should be automatically called out here. And we the only Israelis hope that those who perpetrated six- and hurt innocent people are, of course, held accountable. But when it comes to trying to understand this conflict, we, we have to see that this has been building for a very long time. There's a lot of back and forth here. There's a lot to this conflict that we're not getting when it comes to understanding it. And I think understanding it is crucial to, of course, doing our best to trying to stop it. As uh, right now, no one really understands. A lot of people are emotional and we're on the trajectory of prolonging it and only expanding it from here. That's my two cents on this matter. Ian, what do you think? Well, I think understanding why there's conflict there is probably at least going to give you a peace, sense of peace of mind that the British went over there and colonized the area after World War One. But what was it before that? It was it was the Ottoman Empire. Before that, what was it? I don't know. How far back do you want to go? Before the Jews even, before Jews even existed, it was Assyrian. It was Canaan. Like, are they, do we have to give the land back to the Assyrians now? Who's who's of Assyrian blood that really belong? And who's there before them? I don't know. So I don't like this. It's like, who's here now? Now that's what we got to deal with. And how are they being treated? That's the most important thing to look at. Well, they say possessions, nine-tenths of the law. That's kind of that old trite saying. But in this case, you have millions of people that, that believe that it is their homeland. You have, I've, I've been bombarded with responses by people saying, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. I'm like, well, if there's a people that call themselves Palestinians, that's good enough for me. You know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate your pronouns. <laughs> You're a Palestinian. I'll give you that. Um, and the, the reality is you have millions of people that are living there. They've, they've been bombarded periodically their entire lives. They haven't had an election in 18 years. What, what do you expect them to do? And, the, and also, they can't leave. They can't leave. They have seven entrances and exits. They're all closed. There's one into Egypt. There's uh, six more into Israel. They're all closed off. And, and now you have this bombing campaign with a million children that are trapped behind enemy lines. They didn't have any say. They didn't have any say at all. So I don't know what you expect them to do. And now Douglas McGregor comes out with Tucker Carlson last night, and he's saying, he's saying, look, this is not a winnable war. If you go in there, even with the IDF, even with their advanced technology and everything else, he's like, it's a meat grinder. You're going to get shredded. And the truth is you're going to end up killing innocents because there's no way, there is no military force on this planet that has the trigger discipline to actually wait to see every single thing that's popping out from every corner in this rubble. It's going to be extraordinarily challenging. You're asking for a miracle. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Now, I took the boys here and uh, the button pusher here as well. <laughs> uh, we, I, I do tactical training where we kind of train for a lot of these scenarios and situations. And, and looking at this an entire conflict, especially with the advancement of modern warfare, especially when it comes to drones, especially when it comes to tunnels, especially when it comes to urban areas, I cannot fathom any kind of rational human being who would be on the Israeli side saying, yeah, this is going to be a piece of cake. This is going to be easy. It is not. And I think the main reason that they stopped this kind of invasion of, of Gaza is because they fear a lot of life loss, not just for the civilians here, but but also pr- predominantly a lot of the Israeli forces. If you look at the Israeli military, it does not like losing its forces. It does not like losing its soldiers. And a lot of the times its offensives are stopped uh, to make sure that they get to save as many soldiers as they can. Going into this region, especially with the drones, especially with the, the latest kind of uh, involvement when it comes to all the weapons that were left in Afghanistan, especially when it comes to potential support from Iran and Russia here, when it comes to drone warfare, 
holy freaking cow. I mean, you, you get a convoy in there, right? All you have to do is get a drone, get two drones with, with, with uh, you know, grenades inside of Gaza. You, you get the back convoy, you get the last car in that one, you get the front convoy, the convoy can't move anywhere, and then the, the Israeli soldiers are sitting ducks there uh, in, in a very, very horrible situation that is not winnable because you lose a lot of Israeli soldiers. You lose. You lose a lot of innocent civilians. A lot of life loss happens, specifically when it comes to the people who live in that region you lose as well. So uh, a lot of the news reports are talking about how it's weather that's pro, uh, stopping this invasion or how it's the Biden administration that's stopping this invasion. I, I think the military experts are kind of looking at this situation saying this is something that's not going to be very easy to win. Alex Jones had a very interesting perspective on this, and he talked about just totally getting rid of the area of civilians and doing Moab bombs in order to get rid of the tunnels there. I, I, again, to see Alex oh. Jones even talk about that specific issue, to, to see him go that far, um, is, is a little bit eye-opening, uh, to say the least, when it comes to this entire conflict. And one of the things I learned from the tactical training that we did last week is what you kind of what you were saying, Clint, about trigger discipline, about, okay, so when we did the, the real action, it was we had airsoft, and it was like the bad guys have rifles, the good guys have pistols. So I'm running around looking, and I see someone, and I'm, I, I take a split second to think, does he have a rifle or a pistol? Pop, 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 I get hit. There's no time to think in combat. You have to react. And so when something moves, you kill it. I'm not saying that's always what people do, but in Vietnam, that's what they would do. There's a noise in the bush. Everyone lights it up. They don't even know what it is, but you light it up because you don't want it to shoot first. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, it's it's war. It's kill or be killed. So you're asking for too much. And and the truth is, because you've bombed and, and just flattened so many apartment complexes or you have half-standing apartment complexes, you've just created a 1,000 or 10,000 sniper nests. On top of that, you have the drone technology, which has been advanced, particularly because of the, the war in Ukraine. All of these uh, kind of insurgency technologies have in, in, increased and improved a lot over the past couple decades. So I don't think that you can actually win a ground invasion, and that's what Douglas McGregor. I mean, he's a former, he's a retired colonel. You know, like take his take his word seriously. Whether or not he's right or wrong, you ought to at least process that and consider: is this what you want to do? And then add on top of that that if you actually go in there with a ground invasion, with a million children in caught up in the crossfire, Turkey, Syria, Iran, Lebanon. There's a whole bunch of uh, you know brother nations in the Muslim world that are going to be looking at that very unkindly. And I, Saudi Arabia, which this yep. entire conflict stopped the larger peace talks and negotiations with Israel with. Very conveniently, as China also just brokered a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran to end the proxy war in Yemen. So a lot of big developments. But that that interview by, by Tucker Carlson, I didn't get to watch all of it. I watched small segments of it. I don't know if you guys saw it. No, I did. But it already has... You did? You saw yeah. the whole it. it already has six million views on uh, Twitter uh, and uh, stuff. Yeah, I just put that on there right there. No, no, no. You go in the browser. Yep. And then when we look at this video, we the conversation wasn't just about the difficulties for the, the Israeli military here, but specifically how, quote, it looks like we're actually going to war with Iran. Are we ready for this? And that's a larger question that I think a lot of people should be asking themselves because Iran is a major energy producer on the world stage. If the United States is geopolitically opposed against Russia and Iran at the same time, the biggest energy producers on the world stage, this signals a lot of economic trouble, not just because of the global conflict, but just as far as when it comes to sustainability, as far as when it comes to drawing the lines and alliances here, this is a major huge 
huge deal that, in my opinion, is American foreign policy shooting itself in the foot and running operations and objectives that really are not winnable at all. And if you really do care about America and its interests and, and the future of the petrodollar, let's just say you're very nationalistic and you want this future to be bright. You're not going to do it with this American foreign policy that, of course, is only indebting this country, devaluing the purchasing power of this dollar and creating foes out of your neighbors that we could be cooperating with, working with in a way to, of course, have peace, prosperity and financial liberty with all of us to be able to actually achieve something greater than, you know, blowing each other up. So to me, this whole conflict is just absolutely ridiculous. I think there's the the information released by Tucker Carlson and, and Colonel McGregor are absolutely critically important for, for everyone to understand. So if you haven't watched that video, I think I'm going to post it in the comment section for... Um, all the people watching on YouTube and Rumble right now, just so they could uh, save it and then watch it right after this broadcast, because I think it's an important conversation to have here. In addition to these these other countries you were mentioning, Syria, Iran, I mean, the countries that would be very, you know, they've already said, if you go into Gaza, there's going to be problems. Whatever that means, maybe they've said overtly that we're going to counterattack. I'm not sure. There's There's... There's dissent within these countries, within France, within the United States. You see riots in cities, and I don't know how overblown the, the media is, but like it makes me think of the Bolshevik Revolution during World War I in Russia. W Russia was on the side of the—, of the uh, actually, I don't even remember what side they were on in that war. Do you, were they serving with the, the British? Whatever happened, Russia was in World War I. It was not going well. The people were very unhappy. The Russians were very unhappy about being involved in that war. And then that set the stage for a revolution within the country. The Bolsheviks took over Lenin and uh, his party, the communists, and then they, they took the country out of the war. Russia was out of the war, and it completely unbalanced the situation. I could see that happening in the United States or in France. You think we're, the United States is like you, internal strife could be the end of this conflict, and that could cause a very horrible communist potentiality. So, well, and, and also the, there's this framework that I find to be deeply flawed that they're saying, we're going to have to put out these carrier strike groups in the Mediterranean and they're supposed to be preventative, right? They're supposed to be a deterrent. That's the word that they use. This is the same exact language that they've used as, as they've encircled all of China in defense of Taiwan. It's extraordinarily pr provocative. Now, you can say that, that those carrier strike groups being there is a deterrent to Iran or their proxies in further attacks against Israel. But I can equally, if not more so, argue that having those ships sitting there is putting America in the firing line and giving a casus belly for the military-industrial complex that would very much like to see us in this war hot. And I don't want to see that. So I think it's escalating things more than it's helping, and I don't understand why why there's no discussion about this. Yeah, yeah. Th there's another uh, breaking news report describing how the Pentagon press secretary just confirmed, uh, Steph, go on the browser, that U.S. bases were attacked 13 separate times this week by Iranian-backed proxies. So this is information coming from the U.S. Pentagon directly pinning 10 attacks, 10, 13 separate times, uh, some in Iraq, some in Syria, directly on Iranian forces I, I just here. Don't, I don't believe it. I will not believe that at face value. I need proof. Just because the Pentagon tells me, I'm not going to believe it. Agreed. I'm not gonna. And, and also... Why do we have bases in Syria and Iraq still? Well, well, we're guarding the oil there for, uh, you know, <laughs> so who's going to take the oil from, from Syria? Literally, Donald Trump even admitted like, yeah, you know, we're going to pull all troops out of Syria. And then the U.S. Pentagon, the U.S. press kind of lied to him, but like, yeah, we pulled them all out. And then he was like, yeah, we're going to also keep them. 
by by the oil there. So we're going to make sure that the oil there is ours, which is, it, it, you know, it's called theft. You, you can't yeah. steal another country's resources. And what's happening in, in, in Syria, I think, is is a larger kind of representation of what the American public does not understand. We have military troops and forces all throughout that region. And in one country, we are not invited in there. We finance and propped up radical jihadists and Wahhabists in that region to go and overthrow the local government. That government was able to fight off those global jihadis that had Toyota trucks with American businesses on the side of them. And literally are now dealing with the situation where the U.S. troops are stationed in their country taking their resources and oil away, which is, which is crazy, which is, which is mind-boggling. If, if, let's just say, Mexico came into Louisiana and, and, and set up an, 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 an oil uh, you know, digging operation, and then they were like, yeah, this is our oil right now, the United States would be like, hell freaking no, it's not. <laughs> and then we would, of course, launch uh, mil military strikes. And, um, at, and, and there's already other presidential candidates saying, yeah, let's do special operations, military actions inside of Mexico. Again, crazy idea, especially when you look at the... Again, you unwind a lot of this, it's your tax dollars paying for this chaos, which I think needs to be well, taken seriously. And there, and there was never any declaration of war against Syria. If you recall, actually, it was Barack Obama that went to Congress to try and get authorization for war in Syria, and the Congress couldn't get it because the American people said, we're done. Too much war. No thank you. And this is actually, a, and for people that don't remember, it was because of a lie an allegation that Assad had used sarin gas against his people. It was an outright fabrication. And and this, I want to actually direct to our friend Tim Poole. He was grilling this poor kid on his show last night. Great, great episode, great interview. I, I enjoyed it a lot. But it, the kid was, you know, pontificating on Charlie Kirk's thesis that, hey, it took six or seven hours for the IDF to respond. What's up here? The kid did go too far. And he said, he said, I'm going to go, you know, I'm just going to say it outright. I, I believe that the IDF allowed this. I don't actually think that there's enough evidence to say that. But I think the reason that, uh, you know, Tim kept saying, why even open that door? Why question this? The reason you question it in the, the early stages of war, the fog of war period, is the same reason we needed to question whether or not Iraq was involved in 9-11 or Afghanistan for that matter, since it wasn't really them either. The Taliban weren't involved, it was Al-Qaeda. So, and then the sarin gas attacks. We would have been at war with Syria if not for serious consideration about whether or not those things were legitimate. We have to question everything in the early stages. It's actually the most important time to do that. And then, of course, there's the events in uh, New York City in uh, 2001, which we can't question here on this particular broadcast that we probably will be having a bigger conversation on about on Rumble in just about 30 minutes from now when we're going to switch over because I know Ian has a lot of experiences being there. I have a lot of experiences being there as well. So I want to talk about that in just a little bit, but I think it's important. I think what Charlie Kirk brought up when it came to questioning the response from the IDF here, I, I, I think he made some really good concrete points that do need to be looked into. There's a lot of you know circumstances and coincidences. It doesn't automatically make them right. It doesn't mean Charlie Kirk is automatically correct or this young man was correct. I didn't see the actual uh, Timcast IRL show, but I saw the kid's reaction and the kid was kind of responding to a lot of the criticism that he was getting, but I don't think he's too far off when it comes to assessing this situation, which I think we need to take seriously. If you want to prevent another major attack like happened in Israel by Hamas, 
You need to find out what failed, what happened. How did one of the most secure locked down areas be penetrated and then there was six hours that it took them to respond? We need to understand what actually happened here to make sure that it never happens again. And those who failed us need to be held responsible for right. that larger failure. And unless we hold them responsible, those events will repeat and happen again. And it's just common sense that you should be like, yeah, we're just going to let's just investigate this. Let's just look into this. Let's let's find out why the response was so slow. And um, again, the the way that this operation was also conducted, it, there, it is it is plausible that they did catch them off guard, especially when it comes to the use of drones, which Hamas was using. They went after a lot of their surveillance targets. They went after a lot of their hardened targets. They broke down big portions of the walls. They were freaking parachuting in into Israel. So it, it is plausible that this was a legitimate attack and not some kind of larger conspiracy or psyop as well who what do you think is possible i'm gonna run a poll right now on youtube.com forward slash we are change and in that poll i'm gonna ask you did the idf did uh, idf know what was going on and if you think they did press yes if you think they didn't and they were caught by surprise press no i just started that poll right now and it will be it will be very interesting to see what you guys think as audience members. As of course, I don't think it's controversial to ask these questions. Yeah, car, uh, a member in Rumble Cars 10W pointed out Preston made some, and the the, the guest name is Preston Para for yeah. anyone that's sorry. Wondering. We'll stop calling him kid. Yeah, the, the man himself. <laughs> Preston. So I, I didn't watch the episode. No, so I, I apologize. It was yeah. my fault. It was yeah. my but, fault. But what Cars is saying in the chat is that Preston made some. Cra he wasn't just questioning; he was asserting. I didn't see the episode, but it, once you once yeah. you cross the line and start asserting that they did it. That's a red line. No, You've got. To, I, I agree. Did they do it? That's one thing. You can talk about 9-11. I don't know what happened. But if I start asserting things happened that I don't have evidence for, I, that's a dangerous realm. Tim's, Tim's pushback was totally fair in that regard. The, the issue I had was when he said, he said, why even open that door? And it's like, well, the door is just logically open. Seven hours response for one of the you know the most guarded borders on earth, technologically and every, everything else. You have IDF. They, I think it was also an anniversary of some other major attack, like 50th anniversary or something crazy like that. You should have been on guard. There's no excuse for that. So if there's no excuse, I need an explanation. They go, oh, it was a holiday. I'm sorry, you don't just have your border security all go home because it's a holiday. There was something else that was going on. Maybe, maybe Hamas had an insider within the IDF. I don't know. Maybe it's that simple. But we need answers. And, and if you're going to allow or give the same organization that failed on border security the, the responsibility to then turn around and go flatten Gaza as a response, I want to make sure we know what happened first. That's all I'm saying. I kind of feel like the, the response has succeeded. The, the, these Hamas agents go in there and kill, maim, torture, and, and take prisoner 1,000 people, roughly. Now, the Israelis have responded by leveling. I haven't even calculated the damage, how many people have died, how, much, how many buildings have been destroyed. Is that not enough to show, like, don't do that again? Uh, their, their thesis is that until they wipe out Hamas, then everyone that's responsible hasn't paid. I actually agree with that. But the, the, the sad thing is that the people that are dying right now, for the large extent, are not Hamas. There's thousands of innocent civilians that are dying as a consequence. And what does that create? It creates more Hamas members. So you're not going to solve this problem with wanton violence and indiscriminate killing. You have to be surgical with it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. We learned this through the war on terror. We killed so many innocent people and created so many more terrorists because of our stupid bombing practices in the early stages of that war that it made it completely unwinnable. And now we're just going to watch as our ally Israel does the exact same thing and we're supposed to all bite our tongues because we're afraid of being accused of anti-Semitism or some bullshit. I'm not going to go along with it. The war on terror was a disaster.
I'm fa- sorry. Fa- family friendly show sorry. here. Sorry. Come, yeah, uh, but everything you said it, was it, true. It was <laughs> it was bull hooey. Right? Bull hooey. You know, bull this, hooey. This whole bombing thing is new tech but, also. Like rocketry and airplanes that can drop bombs is like 80-year-old technology, 100-year-old. It's very new. It's very easy to misuse new technology. I don't want to see the earth blow itself up on accident with this new stuff. It's, it is indiscriminate. That's the problem with That's high the problem. explosives. Well, well, the question is, if, if we're not going to you know, have a military action against Hamas, if we're not going to try to take them out, what is the solution here? How do we deal with Bribe radical them. Islamic uh, jihadis that buy did commit off. terrorists? I don't know, man. I'm desperate, but buy them off. Yeah. So, so, so I understand our argument, and, but, but let's steel man this. Yeah. How, do, how do we stop Hamas from committing other terrorists? Give attacks? them a platform to speak. That's the first step. Let them vent. Let them vent to the world so that people know what their perspective. That'll lower their tension just a little bit. That's actually our guest on next week's show. The the head of Hamas will be here in Miami in studio. Uh, <laughs> that would be one of the most amazing shows on television. But wouldn't that, that would be, be kind well. of like a rally cry? Like it would just be like giving them a platform to just rally it up. And I don't know about letting them speak. I mean, well, is that really? I, I, that's a valid argument. You, if you let yeah. them speak, they'd be like, "Yes, let's let's all go." <laughs> right. yes. Family. Like, we're on, like, we're on, still on YouTube. If it was like, but I think it's fair to say, hey, we got a platform. Let's go all attack. Why would you want that kind of I would message? I'd like to see a conversation between Benjamin Netanyahu and the head of Hamas on a video chat or in a moderated room. I would No, I would like to see it be public because the problem is that both sides have accused the other of double dealing. That, you know, the Israel side claims that they've offered a two-state solution. It's been rejected by the Palestinian side time and time again. The Palestinians claim that there has never been a formal offer, that the 2000 negotiations under Arafat were bunk, that they actually never formalized any sort of proposal. So I don't know what the truth is. That's the whole problem. I'm, in, I'm putting a, you know, kind of in the fog of war once again with trying to evaluate all this. But I think that, the, the, for, in my opinion, the obvious answer is to not just bomb indiscriminately when you have a million kids. You have to take whatever steps necessary for the innocent civilians to flee before you decide to do whatever you're going to do. And and as long as you have the border with Egypt closed and you have all of the borders into Israel closed, where do they go? So you're not giving them a, a plan B. I think that's square one. You have to give the innocent civilians an opportunity to get out of the firing line. If you do that, then I can make then you can make the argument, "Hey, we gave them a pathway out. They didn't take it. That means they're an enemy combatant." But they're not doing that. They're just saying. They're just saying. Well, you have to go to the south of Gaza. We're going to bomb up north, and then as soon as we're done with the north and all of your property and every worldly possession is gone, then you can go back home. And we'll start bombing on the south. It's like these people are are desperate. They're the poorest people on earth. They have over fifty percent unemployment. They're all of. They have a complete blockade from Israel. They have no economy whatsoever. It's like these people are just desperate. They're desperate human beings, and I. It drives me crazy that like there's no sympathy for them because Hamas committed such an atrocious act. Now for me to speak out on behalf of the innocent Palestinians, it sounds as if I'm uh, sympathizing with Hamas. I'm not. I'm sympathizing with the children. For the love of God, can we just keep our humanity for a second? I, I think, first of all, a lot of the hostages need to be released. I think the, the groups that hurt innocent people need to be held responsible and need to face uh, whether it's some kind of court martial, court proceedings, or some kind of military tribunal, whatever it is, they have to be held responsible. Now, what does Israel give back in response to that is the larger question. Do they allow a, a second state? Do they say, hey, we're going to deal with these bad actors here uh, after we're done dealing with these bad actors? Here's A. Here's what we give you. I, I, I think... 
that would be one possible step here. But I, I, I think we're far gone beyond that. I think with yep. the way that things have been shaping up with uh, Iran, I think with the emotions, I think with the psyops, I think with so much disinformation out there where it's it's even hard to verify the news as it happens. I, I, I think we are truly on a pathway towards a war with Iran, which would be disastrous, not advantageous for the American people, and just absolutely freaking ridiculous. I want to get to some of the super chats here. I think we could probably put the browser on and read some of the chats here that we have available to all one as of, uh, to everyone here as of course we got one by Drake Abis who gave us some uh, emojis thank you so much Drake based Joe is in the chat here saying <laughs> I'm just here to give you guys some money we appreciate the money the support here to our independent organization Voitex Svejek uh, gave us another emoji there. I don't know exactly what that says. James Eatson is comparing Netanyahu to the leader of Germany during the 1930s. Um, <laughs> again, family-friendly show here. We are, we are still on YouTube, so we got to be careful with what we say. As of course, uh, Netanyahu um, is in hot water, specifically with his son being in Miami, getting heavily criticized. As of course, there's a mass mobilization of everyone to go uh, to join the Israeli military and to be ready to fight in Israel. And Netanyahu's son is uh, hanging out and enjoying himself in beautiful Miami, just like Ian Crossland is as well. Let's well. get him on the show. Yeah, seriously, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, Ian, you, oh, you got this. I have a chat here from Sepulchre in Hell. It says 9-11 was an I, inside... Hey, 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 Ian, Ian, I don't know Ian, what that last word Ian, is, though. Ian, you son of a... We're, we're on YouTube. We're on, we're, yeah. We are on was YouTube. It inside? Ian. I can't read the Ian, last you word. You're about, to be, you're about to, to be evicted here. Yeah, okay. Me. All right. <laughs> Jeez Louise. We're on freaking frickin YouTube. Can you stop it? <laughs> Ryan gave another super chat saying... Can Ian tell us about the 51 state idea? Yeah. Has he fleshed it out? Have you fleshed it out? Uh, well, not really. It's it's more of a desperate cry for for hail Mary, God, good of grace. Please give me something other than death and destruction. Like, if it's either going to get flattened into oblivion, or maybe we can preserve the place. If it has to be Colin, I don't want to like force these people to sub bend the knee to the empire, but. If they were to ask or, or request to become part of the United States with all the glory that is involved with being part of the United States, then I would be open to tending that. And then we'd have a, a state in that area of the world near Israel, which is an awesome country that we could be allied with and we, near Egypt and near Iran. And we could I mean, that's a diplomatic it doesn't, pie in the sky, I suppose. It, do, it, just, it doesn't diminish the problem that you still have a population of people that are at odds with one another. Um, I think it would be better if you're going to be that altruistic as to try and offer them into the union, which is a level of intervention that I would oppose anyways. But offering them some sort of migration plan uh, or some, you know, basically their own Israel, but somewhere not next to Israel, uh, I think that that would be kind of a where Madagascar. Like, what are, what do we do here? Like, I don't it's, know. How do you upend someone's you know whole entire like livelihood and and uh, like village and home that they lived in their entire look, life? I'm know? not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying I'm saying if the alternative is that it's going to be flattened, I would like to offer these people somewhere else to go. I think you know if if Egypt were to be offered X amount of dollars from either Israel or the United States to give a portion of their land, we're not talking about a huge amount of land so i someone has to negotiate yeah, I don't land know. purchases land purchases are made that the louisiana purchase was a huge thing made by right. thomas jefferson a big chunk of the north america and it doesn't have to be statehood either i'm not talking about that it's just territorial impact like puerto rico 
You know, we have areas that are gain some benefit from being part of the union in some way. Um, but ultimately, it's Puerto Rico, Palestine. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> East Palestine, West Palestine. You know, let's best West Palestine's best Palestine. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, a, it's more of a desperate Ian, Ian, concept how many, than anything. Pa- how many Palestinians are you going to be accepting into your home? And <laughs> no, no. are you going to be housing in your dwelling? Exactly. I don't want to repopulate these people. That's an ancient war tactic. When you take over a country, you uproot the, civ- the, the civilians and you send them off to Siberia or something to go live in a remote location. They call it repopulation. I don't want to do that. That's my last thing. You know, it's next to slaughtering them all is like a last resort. So... I don't want to offer my house to these people. I want to improve their 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 way of living. Confirmed. Ian hates migrants. <laughs> now, uh, let's continue on with some Close of Close uh, Border Crossland. Some some of the super chats here. We got another one by Ryan saying we are IRL for show name. Uh, no, I hate that one. <laughs> Bluebird K four says why can't you pump your own oil? Cut Middle East out. I know, right? Uh, but it does look like American oil production is uh, pretty high. Uh, very surprisingly, sneaky five slow says, do y'all think people who got kicked out of the military by admin or OT? What does that say there? I Hold on. Uh, Steph, read that. OTH discharge could get drafted if there was a draft. The military is desperate. That'd be so evil if they kick these people out of the military. And then as soon as World War Three pops off, they force them back in. Oh, man, I hope not. Probably everyone else is uh, really obese, really out of shape, and uh, not doing that well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's absolutely probable that they will probably do something like this since they are very desperate for human beings and actual non-fat-assed, non-depressed, non-insane, woke idiots (laughs) who, of course, wear flip-flops and blue armpit hair who are deranged and (laughs) hate themselves to the point where they need to be on SSRIs. Okay, that's... That might be the super soldier program in the United States. I know Russia has a different super soldier program. I know China has a different super soldier program. But in America, these autists, oh, man, they don't they don't survive any chance here. Steph, read the next one. Uh, okay, we have Scrotus Magotis saying, is World War Three how they're going to cancel the election? Sure looks like it, Scrotus Magotis. Great uh, username, by the way, as, of course, uh, yeah. Uh, the election doesn't look that good for the establishment right now. It looks very good for turmoil and for it not to happen, especially with the situation that is shaping up in the Middle East that is absolutely disastrous for everybody. So I think you make a very good point there. And um, yeah, I, I think that's probable. What do you think, guys? Uh, I think that the the concept of World War Three is kind of vague and silly. Like we've been in a global war since we invaded the Middle East, whether we want to. Well, the beginning of one. So, I mean, I hate to say this out loud, but we're already in World War. Like, it's been, it's already, it, it's already been happening for 20 years, and the United States was winning. We were just stomping and snapping everything, and then Russia started to to join in when they wanted to take Crimea, and now the U.S. got involved over there. And But I think people should, like, reframe this in their minds, because we're not talking about Iraq or Al-Qaeda or the Taliban in Afghanistan. We're talking about the freaking Iranians. That, that's a serious military. Turkey, according to McGregor, says they could they could spin up over two million troops in a matter of weeks. Like this is 
major, major warfare. That nothing and, compared to what we've gone through over the past 20 years. And, and I'm not sure if you guys saw McGregor before on Tucker a few months ago where he was talking about how the U.S. military is like not really at <clears throat> the level of the of some of the other militaries. And that kind of spurred some conversation with some friends and family that I was speaking to. And I'm just curious, like what you guys are thinking about I, yeah. this situation. Well, it's, yeah, It's what Luke was just talking about. We have the, they continue to lower the standards, but then they kick out some of the fittest military members that we have because of mandates that they didn't want to go along with so it's terrible i mean we're it's if you were trying to run a country into the ground i don't know if you could do a better job yeah and this is this is this is what brings me to a point that i made earlier on in this broadcast especially when you look at american foreign policy especially if you look at the the way that the establishment has been treating the american people it's almost as if we are doing everything in our power to try to destroy this country from the inside there has been a massive fifth generational warfare going on that has been waged against the american public there are so many fats and fatties there are so many depressed and crazy insane human beings out there that are a byproduct of everything that they listen to everything that they followed, everything that, of course, they participated in that the establishment shoved down their throat. All right, we got to understand here, the, the, you know, human consciousness right now, uh, the, the quality of life right now for the American people is not good. There's so many obese people. There's so many fat people. I don't think it's an accident. I think it's a deliberate attack on the people of this country as we are also being depopulated in very significant numbers while... Other countries within the Middle East are actually growing when it comes to their local population as well. Ian, you had something to say? Well, I saw a stat that said that I don't know if it was 70 percent of the military was overweight. It was some some gigantic number. Yeah. And I don't yep. know if it was true or not, but it was just a terrifying thing to see, to see while I was scrolling through the news. And like I just for the first time, like, should I have had kids 20 years ago so that we have more soldiers? Because like, I don't no. like to, I don't like to think that way. But like, rea realistically, if you don't, if a society doesn't have children, they will be taken over when they're all. I, I, I actually I'm gonna go the opposite direction on this. We're not in any like serious existential threat from an invader. What we're talking about is getting our asses kicked because we spread ourselves too thin and we go all over the world trying to police things that aren't our business. If we were to actually stay home, we have this incredible water barrier that keeps us safe. The, the Mexican uh, military and the Canadian military aren't a threat to us. So, like, what are we talking yeah, about? The Canadians keep saying sorry all the time. Yeah. They're just pathetic. I, I'm concerned Soy boys with the, up there. Just, an invasion into Alaska. Producing that, syrup and stuff. Like an invasion into Alaska. I mean, Canada's a lot of wild land. I don't know if you can bring tanks through Canada, but like an invasion into Alaska or into Mexico is like, dude, we don't even have a border wall well yeah what's what's wild to me is like if you're going to be behaving in such a stupid fashion as our government has been over the past 20 years like you definitely can't have an open border okay so like if you're gonna if you're going to be creating enemies all over the place all over the world you just have to close your borders and we haven't done that and it's just it's like all right well then obviously you expect us to fall from what also all right let's go through is. let's go through the super chat stuff do you mind reading uh, the next one because we're gonna have to jump over to rumble very soon sure we have blades dark saying if the enemy is hiding behind innocent what would you do Oh, in a real hardcore war scenario, if uh, if the enemy is using their own people as hostages, you have no choice but to take them all out. I believe what in a real Ian. in a real fight and die situation, you have no choice. 
I disagree with that. I, I, I think if you're, you know, if there's innocence, right, you should do everything in your power not to try, try to take out those innocent human beings. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, this is very similar to the death penalty kind of our argument. A lot of people who are for the death penalty don't understand that a lot of people are convicted wrongly. And there's a famous saying by a famous founding father, um, Clint, you might need to help me out here, saying specifically if if one person is freed, Tim mentions it all the time. You look like a um, you know makeshift Tim right now. Just just, just <laughs> say, yeah. say it the was line. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Uh, which, line? which line? It, it was regarding Blackstone's formulation. It's better to let 10 guilty people go free than one, that one innocent would thank suffer. You. Oh, yeah, and then you. Ben yeah, took yes. it to the next level and there was 100. It's better to let 100 guilty people yep. go free than for one innocent person. Well, that was exactly. the entire concept but, of our so ju- that's my, jurisprudence. So that's, that's my argument. I'm not talking about releasing guilty people. I'm talking about fighting someone that's shooting at you. You can't just be like, I'm not going to shoot because you got a guy there. Sorry, well, I guess I lose. That's still releasing guilty people and, and realizing, well, I guess it's for your own survival is why you're saying it's different. Yes. I understand that. It, look, I, I've been hit with these these uh, hypotheticals over and over again. It's like, well, what if someone came in and they killed your family and then they ran and they hid behind their family and then they started to like throw rocks at you or just going to let them throw rocks at you forever? It's like, no, I'm going to wait for them to go outside i'm not going to blow up their house with all of their kids inside that seems a little bit crazy um and you know i understand i do understand yeah. the argument but i'm not saying it's an easy if you're solution. in one house shooting across a street at another house where they're shooting and then they pull up like some kids you can't stop shooting like you cannot i that's i'm not i've never joined the military but that's what it seems like realistically common sense would be like you don't just stop because a kid walks up the, see the, the problem is is that people always frame it as if these are like Hamas is going and hiding behind their own children. It's actually worse than that. It's like it, it's not Hamas's kids. These are just people that are totally, totally innocent, just as innocent as the Israeli children that had nothing to do with any of this conflict. And it's not so. just that they have uh, hostages. They have Israeli citizens that they took that they're going to be standing behind. Ian, if you're the, the IDF, right, and you have Israeli citizens that were kidnapped in front of Hamas, do you still kill and attack everyone then? No, fortunately, they're in a situation where they're not in a firefight. But why does that make a, a firefight. But, but, but no, if let's just say pin, that this is the same situation, right? Where you down. said if there's someone if there's someone innocent behind enemy lines, you got to take them all out, right? What if those innocent people are from the same kind of um, you know nationality? What if it's the hostages from Israel? I mean, it's the hardest decision you'd ever have to make. Do you kill if, those innocent too because you really want to f- go after those bad people? If you're in a firefight, I'm talking about if you're in the middle of a no, fire. No, but the fight. question asked by Blades Dark is specifically if the enemy is be, is hiding behind innocents, what do you do? It depends on where you are. If you're in Israel and you're safe and they have hostages, you don't need to go slaughter everyone. But if you're in a firefight with them and they pull okay. hostages up in front, you can't just give up. Like you can't just stop. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that rationale. It does make sense. I, it's a it's a terrible conundrum to be put in. But I think I think that the the more practical analysis or comparison to what we're dealing with now is exactly what you said prior. Is like y- you don't have to go slaughter them. You ha- these people are, are literally already trapped in a prison anyway. So like you can give them options. You can give them orders. You can negotiate. You can put in uh, special ops forces. You can use surveillance. You can use all sorts of technology. That not to mention you've cut off all food, water, energy, everything else. So it's like you can just wait these people out to a large extent. So I just think that anytime you like. You just that should be the very, very last resort is to just indiscriminately bomb. Yeah. I, and a lot of this comes from my study of Vietnam and what they were going through in the jungle. Like kids would walk up with grenades and baskets and blow themselves up and kill a bunch of soldiers or blow their legs yeah. off. And it got to the point where they're like, no more kids. You, a kid right. walks out. He's, he's a target. Uh, Steph, you want to read the next super chat? OK. OK, we have. Fear me, it's Brie. 
Love this trio. Awesome dynamic. Thank you. And then uh, let's read the next one. Common Sense. Bardaloo. Bardaloo. Uh, thank you, Common Sense. That's actually their first ever uh, super chat on uh, YouTube. So thank you for Bardeludu. Uh, Bard- wait, Bardeludu. that's the first ever. First ever, yeah. Uh, Canadian. Uh, I mean, he was the first super chatter, and now he's super chatting again because I see like this six is super no, chats. no. This is this His is this timer. is their first time ever oh, super chat. Oh, got nice. you, got you. That uh, YouTube is showing. Keep the us. money coming, Bardeludu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smothers two three five says, "Ian, love you, bud. How come Tim kicked you out for questioning Israel?" Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That was a loaded question. Ian was like, "Hey, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to worship the the Israeli state." And then Tim kicked him out, no. and then we took him in safe no. refuge here. Yeah, we arm wrestled. <laughs> we arm wrestled, and neither of us could get to figure out who was stronger. So I was just like, "I got to get out of here for a couple weeks." <laughs> Smothered uh, 235, yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting orbit. the truth here too close to home. Uh, we got another one by Jimmy Cruz saying the war machine has no credibility, so we can't expect that they'll, they will have success in war. Thanks for fighting for peace. Yeah, Jimmy Cruz. I think that's an important aspect. I think we need more voices than ever to speak up when it comes to not trying to escalate the situation, not trying to blow more things up, not trying to create more of a blowback geopolitical situation that, of course, ends up on our doorstep, and now we're paying for the larger round ramifications and problems that were created by sociopathic neoconservative bloodthirsty war hawks that don't give a damn about you or your country There's, you know it's that simple for me i don't know about you guys Ian, it might be complicated i i was still <laughs> thinking about uh, the enemy combatant holding a hostage up in front of a man i'm, I'm disturbed i'm sorry it's, that I- no it's fine i mean that is a very tough position to be put in i i agree with luke obviously i, I think that that now particularly when the drums of war are beating loudly mm-hmm. is when all of the shame tactics are like oh you side with Putin oh you side with Hamas it's all nonsense that's not what i'm advocating for at all in fact i have no love for either side of those uh, conflicts but i will point out the historical examples of how the state has deceived us into unnecessary completely avoidable wars that i think that's just fact so if i'm going to get called names for that i don't care Jimmy Cruz has another super chat saying the war machine has no credibility, so we can't expect they'll have success. Oh, they, you already read that one. one. Hand of Mold one says, "Give Palestine part of the moon or Mars." Reality, they will still be unhappy no matter how much land you give them. That, of course, is a super chat from Hand of Mold give one. Give me the moon. I want to get out of here. You want to read the cool. next one? The next one says by Thomas Smith, Jews lived in Palestine for thousands of years. Why aren't we calling them Palestinians? Jews were removed from their homes and kicked out of Gaza by Israeli government. Uh, Really? I didn't know that. Um, Well, why aren't we calling them Assyrians? Because before, you know, before the the Jews and I brought that up at the beginning of the show, it's just how far back do you want to go before you say that's their land? No, the land doesn't belong to anybody. Well, I well, think I think I think that property rights do matter, but it's like current property claims have to take precedent over ancient ones. I I think that's just reasonable because otherwise, how can you show chain of title? I understand like modern sensibility and paperwork and stuff, but realistically, land belongs to no one. It's land. You don't I, think I, you can I, buy land? I mean, technically, legally, you can, but the who real, owns real, the land? Yeah, no one owns land. It's just land. It's just there. It's like who owns the mountains? I don't know. No one. They're just there. We we set up borders around it and say it's mine now. But like you can buy a mountain until someone comes and takes it. <laughs> you can. You can and buy an mountain. island. Yeah. yeah. I'd buy a mountain. <laughs> FC famously bought one. 
Another super Rumble. chat here again before we get canceled by Justin Smiley saying, with Iran's involvement, it appears that more surrounding Muslim countries will become involved. Is is this a holy war instead of a world war? Um, Justin Smiley, great question. According to Lindsey Graham, this is already a holy war oh, yeah. with the way that he's been prophesizing it. And uh, when you look at the Bible, when you look at... Uh, you know, the passages, especially with the Euphrates River drying up, especially what Netanyahu and Elon Musk were talking about in a, in a talk that they did together in New York a couple weeks ago. It, it, it does really highlight a lot of very kind of uh, eye-opening revelations that uh, do, truly are kind of connected the dots with. Uh, you guys have any comments on yeah, that? Yeah, I don't think there's anything holy about war. Succinct? Uh, yeah, I actually I agree with that. I don't think there's anything, uh, you know, really principled spiritually aligned about killing innocents and war by its very nature is that the killing of innocents so that's why i'm so anti-war or non innocence i mean is it really yeah. i don't think it's a holy act to well steph I read the next one because we're, we're over time already yes. we got we got to go through these steph ginger jack here ginger jack says show name idea blacklisted written in yellow text on the on a black flag i kind of like it interesting next one steph HGTH Productions says, talking about creating ethnostates, one particular tribe own a certain specific plot of land that is not compliant with the modern state of the world. These people need to evolve and care more <laughs> about things, life than just land. I don't even know which side he's talking about. <laughs> Let's do the next one, Steph. <laughs> Okay, uh, we have Andres Calderon. He says, keep these episodes up, guys. Thank you. you know we it. will. We shall. Uh, Nort Cal gave uh, another super chat here saying, do you, you want to try this one, Steph, or should I? Oh, gosh. Is I, this, I, I, uh, I is this your language, Luke? Yes, it's my language. <laughs> well, then you go. Ahead. No, I want to see you try this one. Mm, okay. Posdroinia Is this California? That's California. Posdrovenia Scamifornia. So uh, thank you so much. <laughs> that means uh, salutations or, or you know, uh, cheers, uh, celebrations from California. All right. Very cool. So uh, shouts out to that. My and, homeland. All right. Let's do the last one. Racist Roni says, did Tim really kick Ian out for Ian not taking a knee to Israel? <laughs> yes. If so, that is so messed up. I hope you two can reunite. Love, Ronnie. And and probably. Hey, it's probably true, right? No, right, it's Ian? not true. <laughs> Tim loves me. We, we, will, we will reunite no, and he, it will he, be grand. He loves you. He just loves Israel a little bit more, man. I love Israel. <laughs> And that's why it makes me so sad that they're in conflict like me too, this. Man. It's terrifying. Me too. No, we're joking. There's no, there's no drama there. We just caught Ian, uh, and we're not letting him go. We're holding him as hostage. He is our hostage that we're keeping here. Doc Holliday gave a super chat saying, Luke, thank you for the Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky interview. Yes, that's a really, really great interview that we just did. I'm going to link it, by the way, in the comment section uh, for people on Rumble and on YouTube, just so you guys could watch it. Steph, read the read the other ones well which one which the, one's next read uh, the one under the this one right here branch out music says what company makes the beef jerky you eat on tim cast what we, what we guys think of mike karnovich as speaker mike cernovich as a speaker oh, i like yeah, i like that thanks. idea mike cernovich oh uh, yeah uh i think carnivore snacks is one of them with an x maybe snacks and though i got a shout out <laughs> epic Epic meat bars. I don't know. I, I eat this this bison uh, pork cranberry thing from Epic. 
Check it out. Don't buy them all out. Is, is, I it, like is, to buy it, called, is it called Ian Pork Missile? <laughs> okay, let's brand it. Is it? Let's, let's make it. Ian Pork Missiles. Uh, read the next one. I like Cerno, by the way. Cerno for speaker. Let's He's very been smart saying guy. a lot of good stuff he lately. We got Hecobis he he saying Luke's chair reeks of TDS. Okay, sure. That's, that's your that's your. We got have TDS. What? <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, we got Sugar Muffin. Saying nothing. Saying Purple nothing. Pros you, said sugar. nothing. Uh, Purple Pros give another super chat saying, what about hostage Maya is exposing with the trial? What's Maya? I have no idea, Purple Pros. Sorry, what we don't know what you Maya? are talking about. Uh, Doc Holiday, we read yours. Uh, let's go off after uh, Plan Dean saying, I bet if the Grand Canyon were like two or three times bigger, I, I be they still wouldn't named I it bet. that. Okay. Uh, Jess, read this one. We have Jessica saying, enjoyed hearing your takes for ages, guys. Keep up the great work. We need it. All right, read the next Thank you two. so much, Jessica. Let's try to Apple Pits. Ian, would love to collaborate on a song with you. Best way to contact you? Twitter. Hit me up. Thomas Smith. Read Zechariah chapter 12. Trump helped make Jerusalem the capital in 2017. Everything revolves around Jerusalem, the apple of God's eye. Yerushalam. What? What does that mean? What are you saying? Cornerstone of of goodness or something? Yeah, we talked about it last time. I I don't know. I don't know. Let's read chapter 12 and find out. All right. I'm sending over the links to that Pastor Pavlovsky interview. Uh, I think that's it for us on YouTube. We're going to continue the conversation on rumble.com forward slash we are change. If you need to find it, let me show you guys how to find it right now. We're going to go to the browser. This is the live show. You click rumble, right? And then you go down a little bit and we are here second in the chat here second in the picks and you click here that's how you join the conversation a lot of people on youtube uh for for some reason don't like going over to rumble i don't know why what the hell are you guys doing go over there it's quick it's easy it's simple and we get to have more of an unfiltered conversation without any of the censors without any of the bullcrap without any kind of blue-haired flip-flop wearing yappy who's watching this on youtube right now just waiting for the freaking censorship button, which probably is already activated by Ian talking about the event in 2001. Something Clint, was an inside Clint, something. I don't know. Hey, Ian, you son of a gun. I'm going to make you do more push-ups. By the way, yes. Ian, Ian, Ian did not go to the gym today. But I did right? do And 10 he did not do push-ups. a cold plunge. I am very oh. disappointed. I will be calling out Ian on his personal wow. dereliction of duty when it comes to personal well-being. We're also going to find out if Clint... Uh, hypnotherapy was successful. We're going to learn about that. We're going to talk about this conversation in an unfiltered way right now on rumble.com forward slash we are changed. Another way that you guys could find us, you got to rumble, you're on rumble, right? You go up in here and you type in we are changed, one word. And then, yeah, we don't have the video here. What the hell? For some reason, we got a whole bunch of imitations here, but the one with 54,000 followers is our channel. You click on it, boom, right here, breaking. U.S. soldiers under attack in the Moto East. We're going to continue that conversation right now. Everyone on YouTube, I don't know what the hell you're doing on YouTube. Get over to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. We will see you there. Before we end it here, really quickly, uh, where can people find out more information about you? And by the way, on Rumble, we are going to be taking phone calls. So you got to sign up right now on lukeunfiltered.com. We send you the login. You get into the login, the first post, you will get to the members call in Telegram chat, and you guys will be able to call in very soon. And you guys will be a part of this broadcast calling in on rumble.com forward slash we are changed. Really quick, where, where can people find you guys? 
Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown. Uh, my episode with Guy Swan is airing later tonight. Uh, you guys will love that. And then tomorrow night, I am on live with my boys, Tower Gang. You can search that show. And the guest is Owen Benjamin. It is going to be insane. Don't miss it. And I'm Ian Crossland. You can follow me on the internet anywhere at Ian Crossland. Hit me up on X, uh, where I do daily or weekly live spaces. And you can join in and, and call and, and talk and listen to scientists and naturalists and all sorts of wild, crazy, cool people. See you there. And I'm Steph. We are change on Instagram. I'm the We Are Change button pusher. Happy to find me. Learn more there. So we're going to be live probably three days out of the week here on YouTube.com forward slash We Are Change and Rumble.com forward slash We Are Change. Find us there. Click the subscribe button. Click the notification button. We got a couple callers that are going to be ready calling in from LukeUnfiltered.com. See you there. As of course, now officially we are off of Facebook. We are off of YouTube. And now we have the ability to say whatever the frick we want. And now, Ian, you could talk about how you, of course, have been questioning the events of 9-11... Uh, you know, uh, Clint, you could talk about, you know, the, the, the pedophiles on private islands that uh, rape small children all the time. But uh, to start this segment, I wanted to play a clip from uh, Greta Thunberg that looks like she has been uh, shifting the narrative a little bit when it comes to her perspective through a vegan war. War is always bad, specifically for the planet. If we want to continue uh, fighting battles like environmentally conscious humans, We must make the change to sustainable tanks and weaponry. There are so many new concepts for uh, battery-powered fighter jets that can carry many more um, missiles, biodegradable missiles, of course. Something literally everybody can do to stop this nonsense is, for example, block the roads to gardens and farms so the plants don't get overrun by these heavy, heavy tanks. Hand grenades, very important. If you use hand grenades, Please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah, I cover all of this and more in my newest book, Vegan Wars. Yeah, uh, vegan grenades filled with seed oils that make you fat, pathetic, slow, and lazy. We definitely couldn't get away with playing that clip on YouTube, but that, of course, is a deep fake by a German company out there that is sharing this video of uh, Greta Thunberg talking about the larger vegan war. Ian, are you fighting the larger vegan war yourself, or I'm, are you finally a carnivore eating some beef liver? Well, I'm definitely, I'm definitely into the meat, man. Now you're making me hungry. Uh, dude, this video... Ian loves the meat. It wasn't... The video I thought was you real fat. when I was watching it. I didn't see the word satire in the bottom right, and I was just listening, and I was like, well, this is fucking insane. And then <laughs> and then she said vegan hand grenades, and I was like, geez, what the fuck? And then I looked into it, it started to resonate, and then I saw the thing satire, but I saw other people tweeting it like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, yo, this is so messed up that, that people think this shit is real. Like, this is the beginning of the deep fake age, of, as far as I know. And people actually thought that was real or, or were like, this better not be real. What the hell? Oh, my God. Is this real? And like, just because you put a little sticker on the bottom left of your thing or the bottom right that says satire doesn't mean people are going to fucking know it's satire. It really is really a frustrating time. Please do not share 
shit without knowing what it is, without doing research on yeah, it. Yeah, th there's so much disinformation. There's so much propaganda. I, I think a lot of people, when it comes to this whole Israel-Palestine conversation, are just so fed up of people dangling dead children in front of them, are so just emotionally drained, that I think the larger purpose of this was a massive demoralization program that has been very effective and has absolutely destroyed anyone's interest in even taking part in a larger, real conversation, because our, all we are seeing online are, are, are people just screaming at each other. I'm right. You're wrong. These people need to die. Those people need to die. I'm like, what the fuck? Why, why is that the dominating conversation? Why is it always the most outrageous person? Why is it almost the most ridiculous person? Is it because we as human beings are, of course, focused on the most extremes aspects of, of the conversation? Or is it because we are naturally drawn to the chaos and want more of it? What I do think you think is happening? We're naturally drawn to the loudest, most boisterous voice because those are usually the ones that would keep us alive in the tribe. And if someone else stood up and started screaming some fake shit, they'd be killed instantly by the tribal leader. They didn't, you wouldn't allow for that bullshit. But now everyone's got a microphone so it's hard to tell who's who well i think the problem is is that we don't hold people to account when they lead us astray i mean if you look at like joe biden himself he was responsible for the war on terror and the patriot act and a whole bunch of shit that was just absolutely evil unconstitutional un-american and should have put him behind bars along with george bush and barack obama and every other president in my lifetime but these people don't pay any prices. Neither do the New York Times journalists that propagate the CIA stories about WMDs that were fed to them directly from the fucking CIA. These people don't lose their jobs. They just get promotions. It's like, we don't hold these people to account, so of course we get lied to over and over again. I think that's the problem. Now, the, the tribal nature of this divide is what really disturbs me because you have the left. Now Now the left is like all pro-Hamas, and, and I'm like... Well, what about the innocents killed in Israel? Like, can we, we can also agree that that's terrible, right? But then the right is like, fuck Hamas, we just have to flatten Gaza. And I'm like, well, what about the innocents that are in Gaza? And, and, and now, because people have taken this like tribalistic left right uh, split on this issue, we, once again, we have lost our humanity, our concern for the innocents that are caught up in the crossfire. It just yeah, needs yeah. To stop. One of the few people actually talking about the solutions here, very surprisingly, is Vivek Ramaswamy. He recently held a space with Elon Musk talking about, hey, we're, we're on the brink of World War Three here. And uh, Donald Trump that has also been talking about very similar se uh, sentiments and issues here. And those are the two biggest anti-war voices. I don't know what RFK Jr. is doing right now, but he's I think he's definitely trying to make himself self out more of a bigger libtard uh, right now because everyone's accused him of taking votes away from, from Donald Trump. But out of all the voices on social media, I really do think it's Elon Musk, Vivek, and Donald Trump that have been the most kind of vocal when it comes to dealing with this situation and trying to stop the preparation of this larger conflict, of this larger world war. Yeah. Vivek's been great. Yeah, you man. should vote for Vivek. We're going to have Vivek, Vivek on this program, by the way. I'm in contact with his uh, team. I'm in contact with Vivek as well, just for full transparency. And uh, he is going to be here on this broadcast in studio uh, in the next coming days. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that larger conversation. As, of course, uh, Vivek was on TimCast IRL a few times. Uh, I always run into him at, at events. And overall, I think uh, the conversations that he's having are a lot more grounded than a lot of the other presidential candidates as of course we have the governor of florida really kind of showing himself as a really big neocon more than uh, a lot of people Horrible. expected him to be when it comes to this entire situation and and keep in mind luke and i are both transplants to florida <laughs> in part because he was so good as a governor but the guy is fucking terrible when it comes to this issue uh huge props to vivek I, i've had my my you know concerns with him I've, I've had him on my show and i asked him about many of these concerns on liberty lockdown if you guys want to check that out he's a great guy 
I've done I've done Twitter Spaces with him a bunch of times now with Josie, uh, the redheaded libertarian. He's he's so approachable and open to to being challenged. I've never encountered anything like this in the political realm, and he's. Like 90-plus percent of the time, he comes down on the right side of the issue. So I'm appreciative, personally. Yeah, and he's not only willing to listen to you, he's willing to debate you. He's willing to say if you're wrong. He's willing to, more importantly, listen. Uh, Steph, you're the button pusher. Uh, he's more importantly willing to listen. And then when he does listen, he's able to, of course, actually not just have a canned emotional yep. response. So shouts he, he out to— He answers the questions. It's exactly. Exa- exactly. Even when they're kind of inconvenient, even when they're controversial questions, he didn't shy away from 9-11, Dude. which he questioned fully. But I want to bring it back to uh, Ron DeSantis, who also was a big proponent of the anti-BDS uh, movement here in Florida and passed a lot of that legislation that a lot of people say is anti-free speech. As of course, Clint, you sent me a tweet by Nikki Haley. Steph, you want to put the browser on right now? With Nikki Haley saying, quote, I'm proud to have been the first governor to sign anti-BDS legislation. Ron DeSantis was second. Quote, there will be no tolerance for anti-Semitism when I'm president. Jackson Hinkle, another person that we are probably going to have on this show soon as well, talked about how these anti-BDS laws are anti-free speech. And essentially, this is your right as a citizen to boycott businesses and countries if you choose to not like their policies or to want to support them with your dollar. To me, I I am more slanted on the free speech aspect of this, which is more important than a politician saying, no, you have no power to boycott. You have to do what we tell you to do or we're going to punish you. That to me is a ridiculous stance. And that's the stance of Nikki Haley. That's the stance of Ron DeSantis that passed similar legislation here in Florida, which I find ridiculous, according to my own personal opinion. I kind to understand their logic in that if you have a corporation that says I don't want to send my goods to New York City because I don't like their politics, you get politicians be like, no, you don't get to, to discriminate. You're going to send your stuff to New York City. You That's don't not get true. To, well, you can do that, but uh, well, certain maybe certain products, maybe certain services. Then we'll say like Vanderbilt. I'm I would constantly drawn back to this Vanderbilt story. 1860s. He owned the trains. He owned them. They weren't owned by the state yet at that point or the controlled by the government at all. And he just decided one day, I don't like their politics. I don't like what you're doing to me. Fuck you. I'm cutting off train access into New York. All the food that was going to New York just stopped going in. And people were going to starve. That's because that was the argument for why uh, utilities were nationalized. But I think that in, in our modern economic system, you know, we have the right. We have been famously. We've been protesting and boycotting Bud Light for what they did. And it's like, but we can't. We can't do the same to the nation of Israel as they kill innocents in, in Gaza. If That's from the left's perspective. I'm just framing it that way. I, I just think it's ridiculous. The government has should have no capacity to dictate what I have to or can't do with my money in a free economy. But what about if it's a... Well, first of all... Two, Hold two, on. Two there's a couple of responses here that I think are worth uh, reading. Let's put up the browser with Stexenhammer responding to this saying, fuck you, Warpig. Martha Bueno, who's also uh, someone who has been on the show, probably will be on the show more in the future, said, it's a good thing there's no shot in hell you'll be president. Free speech is an American core value. I detest people who discriminate and or hate people based on gender, sex, religion, age, color, etc. But that's not a reason to use force and end free speech here. So I kind of agree with those larger sentiments, and I kind of agree here with Clint. What's your steel man argument for this, uh, Ian? Can Best Buy, if I go on bestbuy.com and I want to order a computer, but I live in New York, can they say, we're not delivering to you because you're in New York? They could. Is that legal? Yes. Okay, so, but what if it's a more uh, ubiquitous service, like uh, cell phones? 
uh, cell phone service, like the Verizon, for instance. Can Verizon say, I'm, we're not doing service to... Well, in a, in, a free, in a truly free market economy, yes, they could just say, we don't want to... Like, that's the whole, like, we, we, re, we reserve the right to refuse service to anybody for any reason. You know how that's, like, you'll see that language on, like, windows when you walk into a fast food place or something, or no shirt, no shoes, no service, that type of thing. Like, theoretically, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. You should be able to, to decline business from anybody. The reality is everybody wants everybody's money, so they just don't do it. But if, like, uh, Alphabet and Meta and X, if these companies colluded to say we're all going to shut off access to the East Coast because we don't like the way they're, they're inter- like, we've become so reliant on these technologies that you, you would need a government to step in and say, no, you can't do I, that. I disagree. We need a government to get the fuck out of the way so we have enough competition so that these monoliths or these Goliaths can't fuck up our economy. We can actually create competitors. If they want to act like, like they're dictators of our own existence, well, then we should fucking put them out of business. How how would you do how would competition without, a, without without like antitrust how create create competitors and and stop giving them government contracts so that they become so gigantic that that startups can't compete with them remove their IP protections if they're going to be fucking tyrannical like that I know you would like that you don't believe in IP so anyway just let people just let people like well I mean obviously there's laws so you can't just let people steal their stuff and be like sorry but uh, you could you could sunset the IP protection. Yeah, I guess ideally the, the capitalist system would take over and there would be like if Verizon said we're not we're cutting off service to the East Coast, we're only going to serve. They would just be other companies would be like, well, we'll do what Verizon was doing then and we'll, well, we'll get the money for the East exactly, Coast. Exactly. So but, like that's the answer is in a truly free market, com- competitors would rise, which is why none of these companies would actually say we're not going to service these people because their politics aren't gay friendly enough or some stupid. How shit. would you define free market? Because the, the word, it sounds nice on its head, but what does that mean exactly? Does it mean the corporations have total control and there's no outside interference, the yeah. richest lead? I mean, the, the, the entire concept of a corporation is a government framework. I mean, it, a free market would just be that there is no government interference in the market and there is no government assistance in the market either. So it would just be truly free. The government would not intervene whatsoever, but the, I, either direction. But the corporations become the government in those systems, and then they intervene within other corporations. Ian, really quick, the corporations are the government already. They've been hijacked by the banking families. They've been hijacked by the multinational corporations. They've been hijacked by BlackRock and Vanguard that are already implementing and calling out policies that we have no say in. There's been many mainline, even you know, big studies out there by the establishment saying, hey, uh, the, the whims of, of Congress are... are are never meeting the wishes of the American people, but the demands of the special interests who really do truly control them. So if you look at what you're describing, what you're afraid of, it's already here. Yep. Monsanto, the uh, pharma industrial complex, the military industrial complex. They Google, already, Facebook. Google, they already have Alphabet. They already have our government. They already control it. And these are the major corporations that are enriching themselves because people still have this naive idea that the government works and serves them. When in reality, that's not true at all. They already serve the, the multinational corporations. And this is truly fascism that we're under. And the opposite of that is capitalism, where we don't have the state propping up, intervening, and lying to the people. And, and no one, th- this is why that system is going to be so much better. There's going to be a lot less harm. There's going to be a lot less people hurt because people won't have this naive idea that there's some kind of entity out there looking out for them. No one's looking out for you. You got to look out for yourself. Do you think that it's that it's viable to request that the government break up large corporations at this point, or is it just too far gone? It, you're asking them to break up themselves. I, I think that's the better framing to realize that, like, like he was just describing the seed capital for Google and many of the the you know the biggest behemoths that we languish under today 
are are from from DARPA, from the CIA, uh, you know, black ops projects. It's like they, they're so deeply embedded in this. The whole reason that they fr- they formulated this way is that under our constitution, we have we have these cutout rights that they cannot they cannot fuck with us on. But if you use a corporate cutout, it then becomes a private property matter, and then it becomes a private decision. That's not the reality of the situation. We learned that explicitly from the Twitter leaks in 2022. We now know for a fact that we had multiple three-letter agencies that were dictating what we were allowed to discuss uh, in private as well as in public. It's it's just a con. It's just not real. The 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 difference between the corporate and the government at this point is just it's it's a veneer. So Rockefeller in like the 1890s had standard oil and he basically created an oil monopoly and controlled the country's oil. And the country became so reliant on it that the government was like, we got to break up standard oil. So they went in and they shattered it into like six corporations. Exxon. I don't know the six of them, but some of them are well known today. Rockefeller somehow held on and still had stock in a lot of these new companies. So he didn't actually, it didn't do what they intended for it to do to create competition. Never does. does. But (laughs) after that, Rockefeller got involved with the formation of the federal reserve. They were like, we can never let, them break us up again is what the vibe I got. So there must be value to antitrust in some way. The pro- the problem is is that the people that are in the position of making the antitrust ma- you know maneuvers are already owned by these corporations. It's just not. It's just totally unfeasible. They're not going to do it. It undermines their own power. Bro- like that. If you want to break up the fucking the real the the sorcerer stone of this thing it's the federal reserve you break that shit then we can actually get down to sound money and a true free market economy until you do that it's all window dressing in, in my opinion in the federal reserve are the corporations that have taken charge of everything exactly. and they're ruining everything for us that's that, rockefeller that's, that's rockefeller yep. that's Rothschild. that's the banking family that already is in charge of everything and what you feared happening has already happened in a very negative way and again it's not capitalism it's fascism the only answer out of this and the only answer throughout recorded human history that has always worked is individuals coming together not using force and extortion trading together and moving away from governments that are coming into their lives saying hey we're gonna fix this problem when in reality they're not fixing anything they're making the problem that much worse for everyone else because they have this delusion that somehow they're working in their favor, which is absolutely just ridiculous. I'm lining up some callers. We're actually going to be having people call in to this show. If you want to call in, sign up to LukeUnfiltered.com. We have the first post available to you when you log in as members of LukeUnfiltered.com. Those individuals are able to be in a Telegram chat. I'm looking and talking to everyone in the Telegram chat, and it looks like we might have a call from uh, the same People who called last time are also available waiting. I want to make sure that we give availability also to new people. We have Keith here. We have Paul. Keith and Paul, if you guys, uh, Keith called in last time. Paul, if you have a question and want to call in, just say you want to call in, and of course, we will respond to you. We, of course, have this meme that I think is also worth responding to, highlighting uh, Barack Obama's position on this entire matter, which uh, I I think is also a a point that a lot of us have been making here with a main newsline headline that says, Obama urges Israel to minimize civilian casualties in war with Hamas with a frustrated Indian dude representing Pakistan, Yemen, Libya, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Somalia, as, of course, Barack drone bomber launched many different wars, killed many different citizens, including even American citizens that he personally called off. But his stance on this issue... 
It's kind of interesting as, of course, the Democrats usually want war with Russia. The Republicans usually want war with Iran. So I think this largely represents the, this bigger battle that is also happening within the establishment. And if, if we're going to have a Democratic president, I think we're going to have more war with Russia. If we have a Republican president, I think there's a bigger likelihood that we're going to have a war with Iran. Because if you look at all the different administrations, when they're in power, this is usually where the conflict kind of brews up even under Donald Trump, who was very aggressive against Iran, essentially blew up their Department of Defense head and uh, very closely made us in a situation that almost led to a full war with Iran. So Obama's stance here is uh, pretty interesting here, calling for essentially the minimization of civilian casualties, which I, I, I kind of agree with him on. But I think geopolitically, we should understand the bigger perspective here. And that's that the Democrats truly do want war with Russia and the Republicans want war with uh, Iran. One one quick addition. Soleimani for the Iranians was responsible for fighting ISIS. <laughs> so <laughs> this this beast that was created by the Obama administration, then Soleimani is fighting them on behalf of Iran, which benefits us because ISIS wasn't exactly our friends. And then Trump assassinates him. Uh, granted, yes, the Iranians were doing some bad shit to us too, but it's just like, this is all so complicated. It's all such a terrible hornet's nest. We just need to get the fuck out. And it usually boils down to your tax dollars going into the Middle East, blowing people up and attacking people. That's usually what it boils down to. And it's fucking crazy that we're in such a predicament where it's like fucking Groundhog Day every day because I've been talking about this news and, and being an independent news reporter for 20 years and it's always the same fucking story. It's always the same thing over and over again. We financed bad guys. Bad guys attack us. We're surprised. We attack bad guys. <laughs> create more bad guys. Then we finance the bad guys to fight the bad guys and then we're attacked by the bad guys again. Fuck. Stop it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, why are you getting so much money out of my fucking paycheck, okay? It's fucking crazy. I did, I did the budget recently. I'm fucking pissed because I'm like, fuck. You we're not doing that well financially because all the fucking taxes and all this other fucking theft and all this other fucking bullshit. I don't understand how businesses could stay alive well, under all I this fucking pressure and all this bullshit. Crypto, I think, because if you look at what happened in in, in Germany in 1929 and with the Great Depression, man, they just hyperinflation. It was just like you know, shit's about to hit the fan. We need to seize territory. It's the only way to stay solvent. Uh, fortunately, now we have crypto and a lot of billionaires and millionaires because of it. So I think divesting, I'm not an, I'm not an economist or, or an expert. I'm not, it's not advice, but I think divesting your, your, your portfolio is very wise. And that's divesting beyond just the U.S. dollar yeah, into many different currencies and types of resource. Yeah, no financial advice here. I but, can't get uh, it. Te- you can technically. Are, are you- uh, I've given up my license or, oh, since okay. I closed my business. But yes, uh, that was my career for a long time. So but, I, I can give advice without advice. But big, Bitcoin has uh, had a big rally recently. 20% it is now, up yeah, yeah. in five days. Yep, yep. Wow. Now it's up within the last five days, 17.68%. And it's $33,880. Uh, Bucks for t- one single Bitcoin, it which is out at thirty-five, uh, which is a lot. As of course, a lot of people are talking about big institutions going behind and rallying behind Bitcoin, which is going to be interesting. As uh, a lot of people fear a pump and dump situation here. And again, you got to be careful. The, the The crypto market is a wild market. We saw FTX also colluding to try to keep the price of Bitcoin down under thirty thousand dollars. Gee, I wonder why they were doing that. As of course, they were also very much connected to the intelligence agencies and governments that they were laundering money through. So, uh, yeah. 
There's that, and then there's the potential of a global conflict, which is going to destabilize the U.S. dollar, the U.S. petrodollar, U.S. hegemony, and of course your financial future that you should worry about as well as even Joe Lieberman came out on national television on Fox Business and said, yep, we got we to gotta attack Iran preemptively, which is, again, a sociopathic neocon policy. I want to play this clip here just so we get a perspective of the latest propaganda that is being utilized against us. What I'm saying, in short, is that we can't elect the commanders of all this death, uh, anti-American action in um, the Middle East to, to, to feel like they're in some safe sanctuary in Iran. It's time for the U.S. military to strike IRGC uh, facilities, missile factories, drone factories in Iran and let them know that we know that uh, the, the Iranians are behind this and we're not going to let them get away with it anymore. So, so just to be clear, you think that the U.S. should strike Iran right now? I do because none of this, Hamas would not be Hamas without uh, Iran's support. Uh, that, that they're, they're a terrorist agent of Iran, uh, which calls yeah. us still the great Satan and Israel uh, the little Satan. And the same is true of Hezbollah, the Houthis in Yemen, all the rest. And they're getting away literally with murder, including murder of Americans. Unless we make them pay for this soon, now, they will kill some American military personnel uh, in Iraq, and uh, it, it's nothing new for them. The uh, the uh, this Iranian government has the blood of Americans on their hands through their terrorist proxies and directly going back uh, decades. And it, and it's time to just acknowledge uh, the the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran is our enemy. You can't trust them. You can't assume that we're going to make them friends. You can't make deals with them. We have to hit them hard or they will continue to cause uh, death and destruction for us and our allies like Israel and our allies in the Arab world like Saudi Arabia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll calm down. But this is so stupid. 20 years. Bring them the fuck home. Why are they in the line of fire? Why are we in Syria? What are you doing? This guy ran for president, for God's sake. He's a centrist. Ah, it's it, so insulting. It's like uh, people get into warmonger mindset, kind of. It's like it's almost like people can snap and then become like like I do it sometimes when we're talking I get into the mindset of the killer yep. like and then and then I back off into the peace mind again and, and we talk about solutions and it, it, I I always thought Joe Lieberman was like a peacenik I mean I don't remember him ever ever 
screaming for violence in 2006 or seven. Was yeah. he? I thought he was like kind of a balanced dude back then. He was he was like more on the side of uh, actually being a moderate in that period because he was a Democrat during the war on terror, per- terror period. But obviously that's totally shifted and he sold his soul to the devil as far as I can tell. I'm just so I'm so tired of these politicians constantly beating the drum for additional war instead of just looking at the obvious truth that Ron Paul has been right my entire fucking life <laughs> and you can't continue to keep troops abroad forever and expect it to not piss off the rest of the world. Bring our goddamn troops home. So it's pe- real simple. So people are saying in the chat they missed the, the audio cut off when you got loud and they missed the rant and everyone wants to hear it. They're like, oh, I bet that rant was fucking awesome. I, I can't rant, do rant it again. again. Go crazy. I can't do it again. I'm sorry. Do it like <laughs> back here. Ian, 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 how about you I- imitate it? You're an actor. <laughs> These you motherfucking Im- piece of fucking shit, you son of a bitch, you goddamn... Hit me ass motherfucking shithole! Bring them back! Get our fucking troops out of Iraq! Get them out of Syria! Bring them fucking home! Something yeah. like that. Did I blow out the mic? No, no, I think you're great. Yeah, uh, it, was, great it was directed at Lieberman. Great that was way acting. better, I love way you, better than me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you charged me up. It was, it, was, it was about the same. But with, with what we're seeing online, there's even uh, TikToks. And whenever we see TikToks, we see psyops, and I think it's fair to say with these latest TikToks that, uh, yeah, we should definitely prepare for more war that's going to be coming our way. Now, all right, let's get to callers, as, of course, we have people that could call in. The best way to call in is to sign up to LukeUnfiltered.com. Go to LukeUnfiltered.com, sign up. You can sign up for less than 50 cents a day per month, $15, or get a yearly discount for $155. Click here, sign up. Quick, easy, simple. Put in your information. You get emailed your login information. As soon as you log in, you get told instructions on how to call in. As, of course, now we are going to be taking our first caller, and that is Paul, who we're going to be doing a video call with right now. This is live. Anything could happen. There could be wiener pictures. Who knows what could happen during these phone calls? We do not know. But uh, I think it's really cool to start taking live callers as we are ringing Paul right now. We got two other callers waiting in the w- in the midst as well. Paul did not pick up. Paul. Uh, we also have Nick. And then my camera uh, messed up. Whoa, look at my camera. My camera looks like uh, what Ian sees me when he does uh, acid. Are you in vaporwave again? <laughs> I'm in vaporwave. I think the, there's something happening with telegram calls that just utterly make my camera look extremely crazy. It's kind of cool. It's like the late Do you night. see it? Yeah, it's it purple. Looks, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. He exited the matrix. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Paul, we are trying to call you. Paul didn't pick up, so we're going to call Nick. Nick, let's send him a message, and we're going to call him. Nick called the first time as well. We're going to start a video chat with him. And uh, no, Steph, you got to go into the call in menu here. Nick, we're calling you. We're calling you right now. To start the conversation. Nick, how are you? How's everything? Good to see you again. Very good. Tired. I'm, I'm exhausted. I had a very long day. I, I did my cold plunge. I went to the gym. I had my protein shakes. I ate my burgers. And I point at Ian for not doing any of those things and <laughs> neglecting his health as he was like, I was like, hey, do the cold plunge. He's like, okay. And then he never did it. I was like, hey, let's go to the gym. He was very enthusiastic. He was like, yeah, we'll go to the gym. Son of a, son of a gun. <laughs> Didn't go to the gym. I'm going to call him out. He went to pee. No Ian, we pee in. He's peeing right now. And um, I, I just I just, I just, just want to take this opportunity to call him out because I am famished. I'm exhausted. 
She's great. She's awesome. Yes. I actually did a panel discussion with her at the Bitcoin conference. You could actually see me, her, and uh, two other journalists talk on a panel at the Bitcoin conference here in Miami. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun being on the panel with her. I had a lot of fun meeting her in real life, hanging out with her. I think she's a great person. I think the knowledge and information she brings is definitely far superior than a lot of other independent journalists as she's willing to go deep into the weeds and expose a lot of the bigger secrets, especially when it comes to Epstein, especially when it comes to Bill Gates. So she has a big set of cojones on here that we shout out and have a lot of respect for uh, Whitney Webb uh, personally. Some people are saying, Nick, to pull your head uh your, your microphone down, it's up, and they're having a hard time hearing you, so pull it down to your mouth. Steph, use the, use the button push. I don't push. have a button here. Well, Nick, we can you confirm that, that my mic's working again? Because I don't know if I Yes, your, your mic is working. All right. But yeah, what was the question about Whitney Webb, and do you want to say anything else? Uh, yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy proposed, he's got a company called Strive, and it's essentially what's happening is there's these things called indexes. You might know more about indexes, financial indexes, that where like you want to invest in your retirement fund with your job, so you put, uh, people are saying they're not getting Nick's audio at all. I don't know if that means everyone. I mean, we're, hear I mean, I mean, we're hearing it, but, okay. and if we're hearing it, everyone else should be hearing okay, it cool. as well. So yep. when they take your money for uh, retirement, they go and they invest it in, like they give to BlackRock to invest or something like that. Your company will do that. And so uh, Vivek set up a company called Strive that'll take your money and make sure it gets invested into like companies that support American Republicanism, things like that, or like an index that supports American Republicanism instead of it going to BlackRock. That's kind of a... It's kind of a ground-up movement. It's an interesting concept. Uh, just one minor correction. It's an important distinction. The, the money that State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard have is not their own. It's actually your hard-earned retirement and savings for the most part. I mean, some of it's not, but a huge percentage of it is. You have the capacity to divest yourself of these behemoths. You don't have to allow your your enemies to actually manage your retirement funds. I wouldn't I wouldn't encourage you to allow the government to, uh, or I wouldn't entrust the government with your retirement via Social Security. I wouldn't entrust BlackRock or any of these fucking behemoths with your retirement either. So I think it's time for people to take a little bit more control over their lives. And if it's divesting into Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, if it's starting to manage your own investments, if it's becoming entrepreneurial, starting your own business, doing something thing to get out from underneath the boot of these people, I think is the, the path forward. But I agree with you. It's vitally necessary. And we absolutely need to be supporting businesses that do not hate us and need to be supporting the, the shows and you know podcasts, whatever, whatever it is that you're consuming that is usually free. 
if you can actually help them out. These are very these are all shoestring budget operations, and it helps a lot. There's parallel economy, and what's the other company that we are potentially working with Public as well? Square. Public Square. I think Public Square is great. I think they're pretty awesome. I think we should have this the the CEO, the head guy, kind of lives here in Florida, so we're, we probably will be having him on yep. here uh, a part oh, of Michael the program. Yeah, yeah, Michael Seifer. He was on the Timcast show when I was on there, and uh, he's legit. He's he's great. So, yeah, he, Public Square said that they or Michael uh, said that they were interested in sponsoring this show, perhaps even my own. So. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have an option for you here soon because that's exactly what we're talking about: is supporting businesses that don't hate you. Apparently, yeah. the caller's audio is not coming through the computer. And it's low. It's coming through your mic. They can hear it coming through your mic, but it's got not it. feeding uh, into the system got it, through got the it. computer. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll try to fix that uh, next time. Thank you for calling in, Nick. Thanks, really Nick. appreciate you, and uh, thanks for being a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. We got another question from Paul who is asking not to be on video. He just did a regular chat in the Telegram group, and he is specifically saying, by the way, I also just sent out that YouTube video of me and Whitney Webb at the Bitcoin conference into the chat room for Rumble so you guys could watch it there. But we got a a text question from Paul, who also is a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. Again, members of LukeUnfiltered.com get to ask free Super Chats, and he's asking, quote, what do you think? About the Earth being flat, I think this is a perfect question for Ian. Ian well, what do you I, think about the, I mean, the Earth being flat? Over here, uh, might know more than I do. Stephanie and I have this debate from time to time. I think that the Earth is flat and curved, depending on where you're standing on it. It's more of an oblique spheroid, so uh, it has valleys and crests and things like that. But uh, <laughs> look at this round earther. This guy doesn't I, know anything. I look at that globe tard. <laughs> that, that statue of Atlas holding the Earth on uh, his back, it, and it's round, and that's like an ancient thing. So I think Atlantis had it figured out. They must have circumnavigated. Interesting. I like it. I I'm uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a globe tard myself. I think it's probably <laughs> round. <laughs> Unless I see some damning evidence or some great evidence that shows that it's not round, I'm just going to go with the round. But round is different than flat because you could have a round flat thing. I think it's actually spheroid. To be clear, I think that the Earth is round, but we haven't been to the moon. So just to clear that up, that's that's where I fall on both of these issues. Steph, do you have any uh, opinions on I'd this? I'd be more of a proponent of simulation theory. I've been really looking into it, and I think it's very interesting. It's kind of like flat Earth, but like a little better. So, yeah, I think the world is a pyramid and uh, there's three sides and a turtle underneath and whatever we want it to be. Again, what, I, I guess that, that that makes me a, a pyramid tard, but uh, <laughs> I think whatever. the earth is hollow. I think there are gigantic caves underground, like lakes and rivers and oceans and, and fungus that glows that's miles high ceiling, like gigantic ocean. That's what I want it to be. All right, we got another question here by Keith. We're going to call Keith and uh, get him on air here like we did last. Keith, we are being... Brother, good to see you. We appreciate you. We know guys in the room, Keith, on uh, the platform. Make sure I'm shocked. Yeah, you know, that's just what to think about. Uh, I mentioned in the chat that people uh, were really open and more like revolution. It's not like proposed. I think to Yale universities, well, where the brain is stronger, and I think more we are in the main state, it's more class war. Not only like, not for me, but what are your thoughts on, on the 
Chris is absolutely correct. Uh, uh, if you look at what's happening when it comes to the differently black wolves who don't buck, look at Peter Daza, you look at Daza, they're all working with the of war in the United States. Africa, the upper end, they're working with China, trying to China develop a mini reactor. Look, we're going on here, taking a vaccine. What's happening? So, yes, this is a war. And I think the world gun, if you look at and even sun, being they don't even really come through in many different other attacks. They fight back as the fights to share as much possibly can. It looks like Rose in chat. We, we might not have heard what you're saying. Can you guys even hear? In the no, no, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in my decks. Every time it shows you move and freeze. You freeze up before we took the question to a call. That's all I got on Rose on the mobile stream. I committed on Joe Lieberman's yeah. Yeah. stream. Uh, working. I, I, like, I do with the call. Yeah, seems to be doing all sorts of what's to bring in callers. Uh, come on, sorry. Uh, we're going to try to end to see if it works. Colin, thanks for the great question. Oh. Uh, let's see in this hell. I didn't do anything. I didn't change. It's still so good here. And let me refresh the stream here. I don't know. Uh, well, we've been to a poll. I'm not in there. I'm not saying it was Keith. Uh, I'm but I'm saying anything. I'll press if you guys are hearing anything. Yeah, it looks like they're giving us action. Stream froze. Stream's frozen. Well, so I think pretty close to two hours. I'm going to shut up and cast IRL. Yeah, I think. Still two. Yeah. <laughs> but we had like... Yeah. Right at eight. Really? Did they... Kiki took her. Memes instant. And Brazil. Have a gone. I think if we can go live again, unless we could have it, it's a pin that we'll call it. Yeah.